Hi, I'm Kristen Brunius, and this is the Overcomers Podcast. I am so excited for you to hear the stories of incredible people overcoming trials and turning them into triumphs. From everyday moms and dads to entrepreneurs to community leaders and beyond, you'll see how everyone has a story of overcoming, and those stories are what connect us all. Let's hop right in. back everybody to the overcomers podcast i'm so excited you guys are here and you are going to be hearing from a dear friend alice scott from church um i'm really excited for you guys to hear her story and this podcast will be playing in the month of november and so just in light of thankfulness and gratitude i just wanted to say thank you to you guys for listening and if you're willing to um, like and subscribe to our podcast so alice let's get right to it so you guys have the opportunity to hear from alice scott as i said we've gone to church together um i mean you were there before me so I, I think we've been there 15 years. So I've known Alice for about 15 years, and she has not changed one bit <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> um, and is definitely a blessing. And um, so I wanted to introduce the world to her story. So why don't you start from the beginning? You know, where were you born and when were you born? And if you're really willing to tell your age, um, that would be great. So I'll throw it to you. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. Hi. Um, I was born in 1939, April 1. So my parents uh, were teased about me being an April Fool's baby, <laughs> of course. And this was one year before the uh, German invasion of the Netherlands. And we were very fortunate to live in the northern part, in the northern province, which bordered Germany, but which is an agricultural area. So we were on a farm. We always had enough food to eat. We did have to deal with uh, darkening all the windows every night and... Um, there were obvious signs of war going on, German soldiers walking down the highway. And so, and I remember our parents told us, do not stick your tongue out at these people. (laughs) (laughs) You will be in trouble. Um, We did have a couple bombs fall in our barn. Um, My mother, I remember my mother telling She went into town to the bakery and seeing a German van pick up the Jewish family in our town with just a couple pillowcases on their backs, and they were gone forever. Oh, gosh. Um, How old was that family? They were, they had a couple little kids. Okay. Yeah, so that was the end for them. Yeah. Definitely. I think my dad may have worked for the underground resistance. Of course, he never told anything, but he would sometimes go away after dark. And we suspect he helped bring food stamps Mm. to people, you know, the Jewish families and so. He 
He passed and never told you for sure? We No, we know nothing, but no. that's what we presumed because yeah. he would leave after dark. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my mother didn't even know. Really? No, nobody. Well, I suppose that was to keep you all safe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because if your mom knew and something happened, you know, she was better off not knowing. Right, yeah. absolutely. And we kids were pretty well sheltered from, you know, sheltered in a sense that, well, you're a kid, you know, so you don't realize the enormity of the situation at all. Right. right. Yeah, you know, we just observed certain things and were told, okay, watch out and so. But other than that, um, we went to school. You know, we chased the pigs through the pasture and all the, all the usual stuff. So yeah. I do remember um, a couple coming on their bicycles, and this is a vague memory, okay? I'm not sure how accurate I am, so don't check the details. Mm -hmm. But I just remember a couple coming on their bicycles that had come all the way from the south around Rotterdam, possibly, which had gotten bombed totally out. And people were starving, uh, eating cats and dogs and who knows what all. But this couple came, and I think they came for some food. Mm -hmm. And we, of course, had plenty to share. Right, because you were in the north, which was agricultural. Right, so if you were on a farm, you know, you always had enough to eat. So, yeah, and then the Canadian soldiers came, and for the big liberation, you mm -hmm. know, kicked the Nazis out. Um, we had a big celebration, of course, uh, school, and I remember we all decorated our bikes and big parades in town, you know, people singing and cheering. And, and so how old were you at this time? I was six. Oh, you see, you were still real little. Oh, I was, yeah. yeah. But those are indelible memories, yeah. you know, and I have photos of all our bikes and going through town and so. So it was, yeah, for the Netherlands, for the Dutch people, it was an unbelievable time. Oh, I should tell, we lived by a small canal, mm -hmm. and then across the canal was a highway that went to the provincial capital. And right across from our farm was a cafe, and there was a, like a campground, and a bunch of Canadian soldiers camped there. Oh. Yeah, and we could see their fires at night, and we knew they had goodies. <laughs> they had gum. They had chocolate, right? I mean, word gets around. So we'd see their fires at night, and we'd go there, and they would give us goodies. Aww. Yeah. And if I can just tell another little... Oh, tell all the stories. Uh, well, um, two of the soldiers, George and Carl, mm. they got to know us. And my dad had photos of them. And we have a family photo with four of us with the two guys. 
And my dad had studied English, so language was not a problem. We didn't know a word of English. But anyway, after we emigrated, my dad kept track of those two guys. And Carl was from Nova Scotia, oh. and George was from British Columbia. And my dad did a cross-country, coast-to-coast trip and found both of them. Oh. Yeah. How amazing. Oh, it was just, yeah. And uh, and so Carl and his wife Beth did come and visit us. We were living in South Holland at the time. Came to visit us, you know, and we have photos of them. And then after Carl died... His wife Beth and I kept in touch, always sending Christmas cards and so. But then, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I didn't get a card from her. So I knew it was over, you know. But what a wonderful connection we had there across the ocean. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. From war to... Yeah, that wonderful friendship between the two countries, you know, is still observed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really is, yeah. It really is, yeah. um, You know, I have friends in Canada, and they love the Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) And and vice versa. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely a back-and-forth thing. Every year there's a celebration in May. Mm -hmm. And so my brother lives in Ontario, so, you know, he's aware of that, too. Yeah. Well, let's go back to what life was like. So... um, you were pretty much born into it, so you really didn't know much of a difference, right? No. You only knew a difference because people told you it was different. Right. Yeah. And as a kid, you kind of lived somewhat of what you thought was a normal life. Were you able to go to church? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. We lived about three kilometers from town. Okay. So, yeah, our church and so. And... Uh, Somehow I have a recollection, and again, I hope I'm not making something up. You know, your imagination Mm -hmm. kind of plays things up. But after the liberation, uh, I remember a church service where the singing with the organ was so powerful. Singing Psalm 68, I still know it in Dutch, of course. Yes. And I can still play it and so, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you told that story in front of church. I did, yeah. because yeah, Alice plays uh, the organ at our church on occasion. Um, we don't do as much organ playing as we used to. And I grew up in South Holland like you, and everything okay. was organ playing. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. And so it's a treat when we have her come play. And I remember you played that song, and I don't know if it was before or after you told that story. And it was really powerful. Yeah, yeah. And maybe because I'm into music, you know, the sound of that really registered right. in my head. Right. It, it was powerful. So powerful. Yeah. So, do you you spoke Dutch growing up? Do you still speak any Dutch? I do. You do. Who do you use it with? Well, for one thing, I've subscribed to a Dutch newspaper. Okay. But it comes out of Canada. Okay. And uh, 
and I still have, well, of course, I've had relatives and, you know, but people my age, like my cousins and so, have pretty well died off. Mm-hmm. Um, the next generation, there are kids, I had contact with two of them, but that kind of petered out, right. you know, and they have been by us here too. But the one contact I have is a friend from school. Oh. Yeah, of all things. And it kind of died out after a while, and, you know, we got married and had kids and so, but then somehow it started again. We each remembered whose birthday was when, uh-huh. and so now we correspond regularly. She lives near Rotterdam now. Rotterdam and in the Netherlands? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I sh- I'm ashamed to say I'm not super familiar <laughs> How's with your big... geography? <laughs> um, not the greatest. I actually have been to Amsterdam, but um, okay. that was decades ago. I was in the 20s. Ago. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so we have that little bit of contact. The thing of it is... Um, the land where you're born is always in your heart, okay? Mm-hmm. It's always a part of you. And so when I fly back to Holland, um, I look out the plane window and I see the beaches on the shore, you know, and I don't know, my heart just always goes a little flippity flop when I see <laughs> you that. Just, you just know that's, yeah. that's home. Yeah, that's my homeland, so... Yeah. But, there was another yeah. story that you told before we started um, recording, and it was about a sister. So you yeah. want to tell that story before we move on to the immigration? Oh, about my little sister? Yeah. 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 Um, our family was not a real communicative family, mm-hmm. and it seems like it was a style at that time to keep kids... Um, in the dark, you know, about things that were going on. That was just the way things were done. So we were sent off to my grandparents in town or something. So when my mother was pregnant with her third child, three years younger than me, we barely realized it. And then when she was born and got pneumonia and died after nine days, we really have no specific visual or oral recollection of that event at all. Uh, it's just that when I go back to Holland, to the Netherlands now, I do go to the cemetery in town, and I see her little gravestone. And my dad did take a picture of the little coffin mm. that was in the house at the time. And I remember my mother saying that um, she was a perfectly formed little girl. Oh. Yeah. And how hard that must have been for your parents to leave. Yeah. Because they left her gravesite. And it's not like you could just come back and forth super easily. Right. You know? Right. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? So Alice brought some souvenirs. So she brought with her two flags, an American flag and a Should Dutch I hold flag. hold them up? Yeah. Hi <laughs> Yeah. Um... And so I thought that was pretty cool. I think it would have been cooler if you put it in your ears. <laughs> and then you also brought with you a plate, like a Dutch plate. We call it Delf, right? Yeah, Delf Blue. And these you could buy on the ship, you know. So, yes. And as far as 
preparation for the trip over and so I mean there's a lot you have to sell the farm mm. right well I guess I should I should back up there what made your parents decide to come to the United States good question yes. Yes. <laughs> because everybody has a different reason you know it was definitely not religious persecution or anything you know okay. no Holland has, has always been a country that welcomed freedoms you know and so forth but the war, economically and so, pretty well destroyed Europe. Mm. And um, so that may have been one thing. Uh, it takes years and years to build up again, okay? Although our town was pretty well spared. I think my dad, since he was a young man, always wanted to come to America. You know, young people have dreams. Yeah, yeah. And he had one, and I think he never let go. And then after the war, um, I think those dreams, you know, he said, I'm going to make them into reality now. Mm. So preparations were made. There's a, a little bit of family story there, and I don't know if I'm reading into it too much or not, but my dad's mother lived on the farm with us in her old age. And my dad and his mother were very, very close. And he did not want to leave while his mother was living. Okay. But my mother's dad was still living. And that apparently did not come into account. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So I think there was... There had to be some strife between those two, okay. you know, about when to leave. And my mother did not want to go. No, huh? No. There's no way she wanted to go. And it came to the point, she told me one time, that my dad had said, well, I'm going, and you can come along or stay here with the kids. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, what is she going to do, right, you know? Right, Okay, drag along, you know, uh, much against her will. She never went back. No? No, my dad did a number of times. Why do you think it was she never went back? I'm reading into her thinking, you know. I think that once she was back, it would have been so hard to leave again. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So, so her dad died when we were here. Okay, and you were ten when you came here, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, you're leaving everything. Everything, you and know. I have a ten-year-old son, so I'm I'm really personifying, imagining my son. Just yeah. Right. I mean, at that age, you know, it's a big adventure, okay? Right. You have to say goodbye to all your teachers, you know, and all your classmates and so. And um, we must have been living with my grandparents in town when all the packing was going on in the house. You know, all the furniture and so had to be packed into these huge wooden crates ready for shipment and so. And... Um, I don't really know how they managed all that. 
you know, without the internet and without blah, 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 right, all that stuff, right. you know, all these arrangements had to be made. And there must have been a time when the four of us got into a car, uh, some vehicle, and we drove to Rotterdam. Mm. I don't remember if it was a night trip or not. My dad had a cousin in Rotterdam, and we stayed there <clears throat> overnight, one or two nights, before boarding the ship. Okay. And I still remember the sound of the foghorns of those ships mm -hmm. in the harbor and so. And um, we had to get vaccinated. I still have like th little three little bumps here oh, yeah. on my upper arm <laughs> from, from the vaccinations, you know, because America was not about to take in any sickos, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, these people are contagious. Get them out of here. <laughs> they did check everybody, absolutely. So, so anyway, then came... The time, you know, when uh, we had to get on the ship, and because probably all over those years after, probably a half a million Dutch people left the country. I mean, an incredible number. So my dad had to get passage on a ship and had to be lucky to find room on a ship. You and know. did you guys get a sponsor, too? Oh, absolutely. So how did that work? Who was yeah. your sponsor? My dad had a second cousin in Sully, Iowa. Hmm. And there must have been, over the years, correspondence between those two. And um, he said he would sponsor us. And he owned a locker plant and a chicken hatchery in a little town called Sully, Iowa. And so you had to have a sponsor, and the sponsor had to have a house for you and a job for the family. Okay. So that was all carefully regulated. <laughs> yeah. I, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought after World War II there was some closing of immigration, um, but unless you had a sponsor, is that how it worked? Okay, and say that again. Was it was there? Did we close off immigration for a time after World War II? I don't know. I'll have to ask my husband. He yeah, knows, he knows better than me. But you came over via sponsor. Yeah, so you got yeah. on the ship. Yeah, and this is ship. Can I tell a little story about yeah. the ship? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we left on January January four. Um, no, January 7, we left, and this ship was a first class only. Hmm. Yeah, wow. it was the only, well, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> it was the only ship my dad could get cabins on, so take it, man, you know, and, um, and I remember seeing some, uh, like Spanish ladies that wore beautiful jewelry, you know, and they were all dressed up to kill and so for this <laughs> boat ride, you know. And um, and there was another family from near Amsterdam or so that were really very uppity mm. socially, and they acted their part, you know, and their little girls were always dressed right and so forth. And 
Well, we weren't hicks or anything. My dad had a successful farm up north, but we were farmers, yeah. and so we really didn't quite fit in. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, but, oh, what a what a cool story to be first class on the ship. Yeah, I know. And I, one thing I remember, my dad never got seasick. The rest of us did okay because it was a horrible stormy. Uh, crossing and so but on each dining room table they had these beautiful crystal bowls mm -hmm. with fresh fruit in it and so and and it was all smooth sailing until we got past the cliffs of dover mm -hmm. in england and all of a sudden the storm hit and i clearly remember that as soon the apparently the crew was not quite prepared for this either and we were in the dining room, and the storm hit, and all these crystal bowls went flying oh, off no. the tables, and the fruit went rolling all over the place. Oh, my goodness. So they immediately had to chain down all the tables and the chairs, you know, to keep things in place. How long was the passage? Ten days. Ten days. It should have been six. Oh. Because of the storm, it was ten days. It was, it was to the adults... Uh, I remember adults walking down the halls and so, and extremely concerned that we might go down, you know, and not really? make it. Yeah, it was bad. And um, I remember I was stuck in an upper bunk. We had bunk beds in our cabin. And boy, after that, no more in the upper bunk. Yeah. <laughs> you better get down low, kid. Yeah. So my dad took um, movies of the front of the ship you know, and these approaching huge waves and so coming at the ship. So, wow, uh, God had you in His province even then. Well, <laughs> yeah, the protection. I had chills. Like, yeah, but but for a kid, it's a big adventure. Right, man. We were running up and down the halls, you know, and and when I say we, I'm including four kids from another family that were from our province up north. Mm -hmm. He had a bakery in town. And um, so we kind of bonded with them because, um, well, we were both up from the north. We spoke right. the dialect, you know, and the kids were kind of our age. Right. So we had fun, man. I mean, we were just running up and down the halls and having oh, a great felt time. felt like a 10 day vacation for you. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, a little rocky. Well, right, your mom, it your was. Mom didn't want to yeah. be there yeah. anyway, and then, right. and then the storm Now, hits. can I add a little addendum to that yeah. family that came with us? We landed in Iowa. They landed in Roseland, oh, South yeah. Chicago. You know Roseland? I taught in Roseland. Oh, you did? Yeah. Where? Yeah. At Rosen Christian School. Okay. Well, okay. I graduated from the ninth grade there. Stop it. That's yeah, I did. World. I did. And this family, the Dewsbergs, they had a bakery on 107th and Wentworth. Mm -hmm. And um, so eventually when we came out of Iowa, I'm jumping way ahead here. I You're might okay. not, but this You're has okay. to do with that boat trip, you know. And so... And then eventually we ended up moving to Chicago. My dad found work there in Inglewood, but then that didn't work. So in Roseland, mm -hmm. and we met up again with the Deucebergs from the boat. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. And their oldest daughter, Rika and I, we both graduated from Roseland Christian. Mm -hmm. 
And over the years, she got married, you know, and over the years we had no contact. But um, lately, when her husband died, about seven years ago or so, then she sent me a copy of the funeral service mm. in Grand Rapids. Is that where she is now? Yes. Okay. Okay. And so we reconnected, okay. and we got together this spring, Aww. and we're getting together again in a couple of weeks in wow. Michigan. That's so, so anyway, cool. so that's the boat story where that one ended up. Yeah, well, and I'm sure those are connections that last a lifetime. I mean, they like, do. that's, that's um, one of those keystone moments of your childhood you know oh yeah getting on a boat going to another country so where did you go did you land in new york yes okay not ellis island where everybody ended up for some reason we ended up in hoboken new jersey okay which was right next to it i mean practically and um I, I still remember when you get off a, a stormy crossing like that and you get off on solid mm-hmm. ground, the ground still waves oh, yeah. under your feet. It was the weirdest feeling. And so, and our first food in America was a hot dog and sauerkraut. <laughs> no way! <laughs> yeah, a hot dog? <laughs> Seriously. I'll tell you. Was we, that by choice, or is that what they gave you? Well, I think there was probably a little food stand or something, like a little food truck there yeah, on the harbor. Yeah. And so we ate, cause, uh, because of the seasickness. We didn't get to eat much of that hoity-toity food on the <laughs> ship, you know? <laughs> so. How long were you seasick on the ship, pretty much the whole time? Or? Mm, probably not. Um I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. My dad never got seasick. He went to the dining room every day. Oh, okay. So, okay. And, he uh, was like, I, I got first class. I'm going to eat that Right, first exactly. Class <laughs> it's going to be good stuff, you know. <laughs> so, but anyway, so a hot dog was our first food in America. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. It's like that classic American food, you know. It is, yeah. Uh-huh. We didn't realize how unhealthy it was. Yeah, <laughs> so. well... It is what it is. It right? is what it is. Sure tasted good, though. Yeah. So, so when you landed in New Jersey, how did you get to Iowa? Yeah. that That's amazing that my dad was able to arrange all of that. He must have been working on this for months. Had to be. Yeah. yeah. Because how, you know, without all the communication technology we have now, which makes everything easy... How did he manage that? Right. And so we ended up in New York City in Grand Central Station. My dad knew English. Well, that's a very formal British English. My mother and my brother and I know nothing. Mm. And he somehow knew what train would take us to Iowa. There was a train from New York all the way to Iowa? Yeah, Newton, Iowa. Wow, that was it was it was kind of a long train ride at, at that time. I remember my my mother, she had a bottle of cologne that she had taken, and somebody stole that on the train. So oh. I remember her telling that really just ticked her off. You oh, know? I'd imagine. Yeah. And were they like the sleeping cars? Were you? I uh, I don't remember 
No, actually getting into like a bed-like thing. Mm -hmm. No, I think it was just... Just seats. You just sit there and sleep as best as you can. As best you can, right, right. And then in Newton, we got off the train, and this family from Sully, this second cousin of my dad, picked us up. Yeah, and uh, by the way, Mark Nanakoven from church Uh is from Newton. Oh, shout out to Mark. Oh, yeah, (laughs) so we immediately connected, you know. Oh, he's such a great guy. Yeah, so anyway, so very briefly, uh, we went to their house. And they, we were able to sleep there overnight, maybe a couple nights, you know. And they had their youngest daughter was still living at home, Sylvia. And I remember my dad's cousin's wife um, fixed us uh, sandwiches and uh, like a bowl of canned peaches or something. Mm. And we thought that was just the best thing. Mm. So they just made us super welcome. And then, of course, comes the business of moving into our house. Our first house in Iowa was in the country. Okay. It was three miles from town where the family lived. And, uh, yeah, it was... uh, Nice, nice little house in the cornfield, you know, and um, had an outhouse, which is a new experience for us. Did you have um, plumbing in? Well, we always had, you have a pot under the bed, you know, oh, okay. but the the indoor, like for, you know, was in the milking barn, and so okay. there was a setup there. So, okay. but an outhouse in a cornfield was different. A, yeah, it was. <laughs> Especially yeah. in an Iowa winter. Oh, yeah. You know, when you have six feet of snow. Yeah. But anyway, you deal with that. But we were fortunate. Right up the hill, there was a family and, and then another family up the hill from us. And um, they just helped with everything. Mm. Corey Terpstra. And she gave my mother a permanent, you know. And uh, they had three boys that we played with. And then up the hill, there were the de Youngs. You get the impression that Sully was a bunch of Dutch people? Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So just a little side note, wherever we lived in America... We ended up in kind of a dutchy community, yeah, whether yeah. it was Inglewood, Roseland, South Holland. So that was a big, big help for my mother. Yeah, really. Yeah, some of that and she would heritage. find exactly. She would find ladies uh, that spoke Dutch, or you know, something like. Did she ever really grow accustomed to living in America, or was she kind of always sad about it? Um, how do I answer that one? Um, I think my mother's cheerful and accepting, overcoming Mm -hmm. personality made everything work out okay for her. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I never heard her complain. In Roseland, she went to Fanger High School for English classes. Okay. And so, you know, she was always able to make the best of it. And one of the things we took along 
and she couldn't wait for it to come, I think, in these huge wooden crates when our furniture arrived, you know, was her little organ. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which was originally made in Canada. Really? Yes. It had mouse-proof pedals. I, oh. And I still have it, by the way. You do? Yes. In your home? And, yeah, in Crown Point. Oh. And anyway, so when that came, you know, I think that was a wonderful thing for her because she was able to play quite well. Right. And she could play her favorite psalms and things like that. You know? Yeah, and that probably brought comfort to her. Yeah, so, yeah, how did my mom feel? It was very hard to come here, but she had the uh, gift from God personality, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to deal with it all. And uh, my dad, you just wonder... Was he disappointed ever after coming here? Did you know? Right. How were his expectations? You know. Um, yeah. He ended up working in in the locker plant in town. And what did he do in the locker plant? Well, basically, you know, chopping the heads off chickens and really? preparing them for you know freezers and stuff like that. And he never enjoyed the animals on the farm either in Holland. He was much more of a mechanical, scientific mind. Okay. Um, but because he was the only son, he inherited the, his dad's farm. Okay, the one that he sold. And yeah, the they... one that he sold. So he was stuck with that, you know. So chopping the heads off chickens in a locker plant in Sully, Iowa, was maybe <laughs> maybe better, but maybe not. Better. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I like, oh boy! And then we left Sully and moved to Inglewood. Um. I think that was, we lived there three months in Englewood, okay. 72nd and Yale. It was apartment buildings, and uh, my mother has always been a country outdoors mm. person, you know. So living in a basement flat and looking out your window over the sidewalks, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, See, my parents never argued in front of us, okay? We never heard them raise their voices. Everything was talked about. Out of earshot, okay? So I don't know what my mother told my dad. (laughs) But I'm trying to imagine, like, the one saving thing in Englewood was that the couple that were the janitors for that apartment building came from Holland. Oh. So it must have been that my dad was able to connect with these people, and they must have invited us to Chicago, I don't know how in the world they did it, you know. And they said, yeah, come on, we have a basement flat available. Inglewood at the time had a Christian school mm-hmm. and a lot of Christian churches. And and the lady, the wife of that janitor couple, was actually a schoolmate of my mother's in grade school in, in the in Netherlands. The Netherlands. Yes. Wow. So, okay. Full circle there. Yeah, I'm telling you. (laughs) So when you moved to Roseland, did he have, so what job did he have in Chicago? He worked for Acme Steel. Okay. In Riverdale. I think Mm -hmm. it was on that Calumet River there. Yeah. And that was, he was able to, he worked in the tool 
area or something, repairing tools and so. So he was able to deal with mechanical things, much more his thing. And he would actually import from Sweden, I think, some really high quality tools to work with in that steel factory. So he uh, oh, it was much more in his element than chopping heads off chickens, right? I, mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be for just about anybody. Oh, yeah. And then when we moved to Roseland, we moved into the house where the Duesbergs lived that were on the boat with no. us. Yes. And they moved a block north. Okay. So we were in their house, and it actually had a yard. Mm-hmm. So my mother was able to grow some things. So things step by step kept getting better. Yeah, and God, God showed. Yeah. That, you know, you were overcoming all of those yeah. trials. Now, you mentioned that you went to Rosen Christian School, which is so crazy because yeah. I taught there for a couple of years. Did you really? Yeah. Um, oh, the year that my husband and I got married, actually, my students, they, they sang at my wedding, my Rosen Christian School students, which they're now, I mean, they got to be out of college at this point. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, Rosen Christian School is not around anymore. Um, no, it's not. I remember because we supported we support Rosen Christian Ministries, right, right. And, but then also the school, and, yeah, they had to, yeah. just had to quit that. Well, and unfortunately, over the decades, the neighborhood turned. Both neighborhoods, actually, Englewood and Roseland, turned. Okay. Um, just became violent. Yeah. You know, not not the best areas, and you know, but but the people there, I mean, they're good people. Yeah. Um. So you so you. What year did you go to Rosen Christian School? What grades? Um, had to be, okay, I was in fifth grade when I left the Netherlands, and then Iowa about two years, so, can I go back a minute? Yeah, of course. Okay, back to Iowa, okay? Um, we ended up in a little country school. Oh. A one-room country school out in the cornfields. Okay, well, this was a new experience, okay? My brother and I knew no English. I think the teacher was a little uh, flabbergasted, or I don't know about what to do with us. And so we basically just sat there, and but she, so my brother and I started making up arithmetic problems. So she (laughs) gave us, we're going to make up our own arithmetic problems. And I think she must, and I'm reading into this, okay? I'm not saying she was clueless, but she must have thought, gee whiz, they have the same number system right, <laughs> in right. Europe as here, so give them an arithmetic book with problems, you know, so we did that. She also gave us geography books with pictures, you okay. know. Were you the only kids in that school that um, didn't speak English? Right. Okay. Right. And there were maybe... I don't know, maybe there were 12 kids in the whole school. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. There And possibly nobody was in the fourth grade for a year, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And one teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, the, you know how kids are, and they can really be cruel, yeah. okay? Yeah. So we were the objects of a lot of teasing. Mm. 
And I remember coming home, you know, just crying my eyes out about how kids teased us. And so had us say, taught us naughty words and say, tell the teacher this new word you (laughs) learned. You didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) I don't remember exactly what the words were, and I probably wouldn't repeat them here. (laughs) So... But you know what they mean now. <laughs> oh yeah, and so, uh, so there was there was a hard times in school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then eventually, my friend Marcia up the hill, she was real nice and helpful, and so, and um, yeah, so gradually you learn the language and you learn to get along through playing, and so and, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I feel like kids. You know, when it comes to language, I don't know if you know this, but my two daughters, they they are in the dual language program at school, so they speak English and Spanish. Yeah. And they've been doing that since they were five, and I remember watching them being like, how how did they catch on to this so fast? Now, me as their mother, I've been doing homework with them for the past nine years when it comes home in Spanish and I can't still I still can't speak a lick of Spanish (laughs) (laughs) there's something that happens when you get older but you were fully immersed in the language and you're a child so and let's be honest English is so hard to learn there's so many ins and outs and oh yeah so many incongruities like does this make sense you know yeah but you know, you just catch on and you learn the colloquial phrases and yeah. you know, all the local stuff, and so. But yeah, it is hard. The interesting thing is, some for example, I can put on a fake fake brogue, okay, and speak like an immigrant, you know, mm-hmm. with the Dutchiness and Yankee Dutch stuff, and so. But my English is pretty well free yeah. of any remnants yes, of Dutch. Yes, But Rika, who came off the boat, she's a year older, and my brother is three years older, and they still have that little bit in their English that tells you that, oh, they spoke Dutch. Yeah. You know, brogue, you call that? Mm-hmm. And there is a point in your language development when you either get rid of it, and I was at that point where I was able to get rid of it, and my brother kept it. That's interesting, and it was yeah. just a few years between the two of you. Yes. It uh-huh. must have just been that developmental time, like you're saying. Exactly. That, uh, wow. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't hear any anything in your in the way you speak. No. No. Once in a while, I've had people say, oh, I can tell you learned your English in Iowa. Oh, yeah? Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I get that, too, because, you know, there's certain words that we say, like Chicago, like we we tend to accent certain parts, and, you know, like you you do pick up a little bit of a dialect of wherever you're from, so I I see what you're saying. Yeah, you do, so, yeah, so... um, after we came to Roseland, then of course you know they're okay. They're Roseland was full of churches, mm-hmm. okay. So it was easy to pick a church to go to and uh, uh, and the school and so forth. I've often wondered why did Roseland Christian have nine grades? I mean, I went to Chicago Christian mm-hmm. after that, and I was immediately a sophomore. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> some tradition there because they're 
when even in my lifetime there's a local Christian school that goes up to ninth grade as well. Really? I don't I don't know why. And I was just talking with someone the other day that said that their school did the opposite where they you graduated in seventh grade and you had five years of high school. I don't remember who I was talking to. Oh. Um, but there must must be some tradition that for some reason the elementary used to go till ninth grade. But what's funny is when I got my teaching degree for the state of Illinois, I my teaching degree said K through nine on it. Really? Yeah. So uh, that's that's a question that we yeah. should look into. But yeah, I wondered. So when you went to Chicago Christian High School. You got there as a sophomore. Yes. But obviously there were other kids who went there as freshmen, right? Or did they just I don't start know. sophomore I, year? Yeah, I don't remember any any students that were below me. Oh, okay. So it was just a three-year high school. Yeah, I think so. Huh. And at that point, I still must have had the aura of, of immigrant on me or something <laughs> because it was a little hard to make friends. Yeah, there were a couple girls, you know, that that were good to me, you know, but I was always a little bit of an outsider, even at that point, you know, after, let's see, 55, 56, well let's say 1954, 55 in there. I hadn't been off the boat that long. Right, right, because so, you, you got off the boat in what year? In 1950. So it's been five years. Yeah, because Iowa first, yeah, you know, a couple yeah. years, and then Englewood and so. And so I still did not dress uh, quite right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, my mother, well, yeah, we'd go shopping for something once in a while, you know. But I remember the girls that had the nice matching sweaters and all that mm -hmm. stuff, you know, or, you know, the polished nails and all that. Which is funny because as long as I've known you, you've always been so classy. The way oh. you dress, it's, it, I mean, I must Kristen. Be, <laughs> I'm being serious. Really? Yes, the way you dress at church, you're always so put together. And I mean, I see you at Bible studies and stuff, but I, I mean, even right now, you're just so put together. My grandma is that way, too. Really? You know, like my grandma, just my living grandma, um, Brower, who was a young. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, she She's very put together, too, and just very classy and just very powerful, but... But just classy. Just classy. You know, is the way I could, like, you know, with the, always just look nice. Well, I think it may have been, that may be a leftover reaction from, you know, dressing totally uncool as a kid yeah. to now deciding, you know, okay, I want to get But there is a difference nicer. even today if, you know, between like a European style or a not not oh. so much Canadian, but I notice differences in people that I know who have come to the United States from Europe or South Africa or okay, you know. So there's there's different, yeah, a little bit different little feel bit. for what looks yeah. right on you and so. Yeah. But but I, even stuff as basic as deodorant, mm. you know, uh, 
Did we use deodorant on the farm in the Netherlands? Oh, heck no. <laughs> you kidding? We more smelled like cow manure than anything, you know. Right, right. But, but then here, you know, well, girls are wearing deodorant, right? And so, and I, that was something I had to catch on to. Because yeah. I was on the basketball team. You work up a sweat, right? right. Okay. Yeah. Get your deodorant yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean... <laughs> That's probably still even true today. Like some of these farm <laughs> kids, you know, that I yeah. don't know. I'm not I'm not sure that when you're, you know, milking cows and picking up manure you really <laughs> right. care too much about well, no, who cares? Everybody had B O so then you don't notice it, you know. So yeah. But yeah, which reminds me also of getting used to American food. Yeah, how, was that? how does deodorant go to food? Uh, my train of thought smell. is there's something <laughs> there. Digestion? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're on food here. Um, in in uh, Holland, my goodness, we had a marvelous bakery in town, you know, with the right. most wonderful pastries and breads and what have you. And after the war, it was really a treat to have, you know, good quality bread and so. Um, then we come to Iowa, the general store in Sully, you know, is where you bought your groceries. And so uh, my mother never really baked bread in Holland because she didn't have to. We had this fabulous bakery in town, right? right? American women did a lot more baking and stuff than, okay. than we did. Um, so they had stuff like Wonder Bread. Mm. And... You know, I mean, to us, this was just slimy stuff. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, Wonder Bread. <laughs> Don't sue us. No. Yeah. <laughs> My mother's comment was, you could stick one slice into a hollow tooth. Yeah. 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 Because it was just like this. But bread is even worse today. Oh. Yeah. Now we can get good quality bread in the stores, you know. Yeah. And And so, but at that time, bread was really bad. And, uh. But that that was how it was. Nobody really thought too much about it. Yeah. It is what it is. So. What what <laughs> sorts of so you as a young child, what sorts of foods did you eat for dinner compared to what you ate when you came here? Did they did that change much? No. Um I mean in on our farm in the Netherlands, we, my mother cooked real basic, you know, she would cook her meat and potatoes and vegetables mm -hmm. typically. We also had rice or pancakes, mm -hmm. you know, just a variety of things. And I think she pretty well continued that once we were in Iowa. Yeah. Um, we never had garlic in Holland. Oh. It, it, I don't know, garlic, no, I never heard of it. Really? Until we came, even in Iowa, uh, you know, a real Dutchy community. I can't remember people eating garlic. Maybe that they was like the have. influence of the Italian community. And yeah, it in could, the be. Area. could be. Now maybe in Pella they did. You know, I maybe. don't know. But another funny thing was, um, okay, we're going back to Iowa here mm -hmm. for a little bit. Uh, Sully was considered a dry community. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody drank alcohol well. Uh, 
that's what we thought. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so uh, my dad in the summer sometimes would help a couple of our neighboring farmers work out in the fields, you know, and, and it would be hot and sweaty and so on. They'd, you know, take some cold drinks to the field and so. But um, I remember they would ask my dad to go to a liquor store in Pella Oh. And bring back a case of cold beer. Oh, <laughs> yes, and because they knew he he would happily do that, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we drank wine in Holland and had right. had brandy and stuff like that. Because it wasn't a big deal. Well, yeah, it was a big deal. So, Basali was, you know, known as a dry community. So, well, and it's funny because later in your life, when you ended up moving to South Holland, when I was a kid, South Holland was a dry town. Was it really? Yeah. yeah, maybe. I think it was until like a couple of years ago. No, nobody admitted to the fact that they would drink wine or beer. Apparently, because I remember even <laughs> as a kid, not that my mom and dad were big drinkers at all. No. But if we, we would have to go to like the Cub Foods in Lansing or like there was a kind of like a Seven Eleven in Thornton that we would go oh. to. <laughs> and like I said, I mean, like we're, none of us were big drinkers but no. yeah and I also remember that South Holland I think everything was closed on Sundays yes now I, I think when I was a kid at some point it changed to like gas stations and grocery stores might have been opened mm-hmm. right um, yeah I'm trying to remember because I like you moved when I was ten. Oh, really? <laughs> so I lived okay. in South Holland until I was ten. So I'm trying to remember, but okay. And even the name South Holland is is kind of a funny name because it was so many immigrant families. Oh, there were, yeah. That ended up, you know, that made a very similar passage to what you made. Now, my grandparents did it before World War Two. Okay. And you were after World War Right, II. yeah. But they ended up, so many of them ended up in that area, which is why it became South Holland. Right. Um, which is so interesting. I think about that sometimes, that yeah. this, this community just kind of stuck together, and they even named the town after the country many of these people yeah. had immigrated from. Right, yeah. So interesting. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, so... Then um, I think that's my last story about Iowa is my dad getting beer out Get, of Pella. Getting beer. <laughs> well, that's funny because Pella is such a conservative little town. Oh, it is. You know, you know it's a college town, and so and it, it's uh, grown quite a bit. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. You know. Yeah, I was there two years ago. Okay. I went back to Sully, you know, visiting all the places. Our first little house is still there. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's great. so I had fun. Stayed in Pella at a bed and breakfast. Had a lot of fun. Okay. And I, still, Sully is still kind of special to me. Even yeah. though we only lived there a good two years. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go back there, this is where I became an American. Okay, yeah. So that's right. not not officially, but I mean, as far as learning the language okay. and life, American life, you know, before we moved to Chicago. So that's always kind of a special place. Oh, one other little thing. We arrived in New York on January seventeen. Okay. And 
I'm totally switching gears here. Okay, is that okay? Okay. Um, my mother lived to be 95 in uh, South Holland, she, and she died on January 17. Wow. Yes. Wow. So um, we had a little memorial service in her house in South Holland, mm-hmm. and do you know Reverend Maddeny? Bassam Madney. He did the Back to God Hour Arabic Arabic okay. broadcast. Anyway, he was connected with First Church in South Holland where we went. So we had him come and do a beautiful memorial service in my mother's house oh. with neighbors. And we didn't have any family here, you know, so just neighbors and friends. And so, And in his message, he so beautifully connected the arrival in New York on January 17, so against my mother's will, mm-hmm. you know, but going home to heaven on January 17, a real homecoming, Amen. you know, he Amen. just, con- yeah, he just connected those two dates. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it was. So. so she was 95, huh? Yeah. Wow, what so. a long, beautiful life. So yeah. how did you end up from Roseland to South Holland? Yeah, ask my dad, right? I mean, yeah, another connection <laughs> that he made? Yeah, well, the Duesbergs. Okay. Yeah, on 107th there. And I'm repeating myself, but I'm so amazed that my dad was able, without all the modern communication technology, to connect with these people. Yeah, yeah. Even these two Canadian soldiers, Nova right. Scotia to British Columbia. Right. How did, how did, uh, yeah. He so, was a master of his time. Well, <laughs> he was very smart, I will say yeah. that. Yeah, he, a great very connector. smart man. Um, yeah, did did a lot of reading. He liked to read about Darwin. Hmm. Oh, interesting. He had stuff about Darwin. Yeah. So, yeah. a thinker. He was a thinker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so how did we get to South Holland through the Duesbergs apparently and because Roseland was a lovely community. It really was. It yeah. really was. And uh but then this possibility came up in South Holland and more Dutch people all over the place. Mm-hmm. So that's where we ended up and we lived there until I got married. Yeah, how'd you meet your husband? How did what? How'd you meet your husband? Oh, well, that's always the story, isn't it? <laughs> I love to know how people meet each other. Um, Gary's aunt um, was my choir accompanist okay. in South Holland. So we were both into music. And so and so we just connected. And even though she's a lot older than me, uh, you know, she said, oh, by the way, I got this nephew. Mm. You know, he went to Hope College, and he just... Um, yeah, he broke up with this girl, and so he's just kind of floating around. You want to meet him? You're like, yes. <laughs> well, I guess. I mean, I was 26 at that time, okay. I think, okay. and maybe 27, I don't remember exactly. So, so you know, most of my friends were married, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, well, okay, you know, don't 
pass up an opportunity at this point. Right, right. So she had us both over for coffee. And uh, I don't think either one of us was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a negative, isn't it? <laughs> but it was like, well, oh. God obviously had different plans. Well, I guess. I mean, I mean, you know, supposedly Gary was... Um, I don't know, he, he, he was more of a cool type. You know, I was a nerdy school teacher, okay? Right, right. I was teaching at Calvin Christian at okay. the time. Yeah. And um, I graduated from Roosevelt University, by the way, okay. in Chicago. Chicago. I loved it. Yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah, the English department and the music departments were... But anyway, back to Gary. So... The, now, we didn't contact at all. That was in September, I believe. It seems to me in December, one of his buddies was getting married. He needed somebody to have with him, you know, That's to look date. right. Oh. <laughs> so, I don't know. He must have called me or so. So, we went to that wedding. And do you want to hear all this? Well, you tell yeah, me what you're comfortable with. <laughs> oh, keep going. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it gets pretty boring after a while. And so, okay, well, that was nice. So uh, I don't think we had any contact. It seems like the Memorial Day of the following year, my best friend, you know, she was dating somebody. She says, hey, let's go to the beach. Why don't you call this cop mm -hmm. guy, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, I'm not calling him. Oh, come on. So I don't know if she had her boyfriend call him or what. But anyway, we went to the beach on Memorial Day. Okay, well, that was nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then things started to click. And how many years has it been now? Yeah, uh, 50, 55. Wow. And then in the summer, the 4th of July weekend, a whole bunch of us went to the Dells, Wisconsin Dells. Okay. My friends, his friends, mm -hmm. the whole troop went up there, and we just had a blast. Yeah. You know, and it was like, oh, you know, we could have a good time together. What year was that? Um, the 60s? Yeah, that had to be like 66 or something. Okay. Okay. But anyway, that fall, I had an opportunity to go teach in Denver. Mm. Denver, yes, I'm going to go be skiing my brains out every weekend, yeah, okay, because yeah. I've been an avid skier all my life. Well, since 20-something. And um, so anyway, I must have mentioned that. And then, then he probably said something like, well, uh, I'll give you a diamond at Christmas if you stay, you know. Oh. I'm not quoting him exactly, yeah, but yeah. so I had to decide skiing on weekends or marrying Gary. And I thought, well, you know, I'm 27 by now or 28, yeah. you know, that I better. So anyway, we got married the following July. Oh. And there we are. And we're so different. Still to this day? I mean, any, yeah, it's so different, our interests. And the, about the only thing we have in common that we both enjoy is the Chicago Cubs and Bulls, okay, <laughs> professional sports. Love both of those. Other than that, our music interests are totally different. His, you know, he and an old gang of friends, they're all rock and rollers, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm not at all. I can stand it for about five minutes. <laughs> And so, so anyway, um, 
But then you think, well, God must have decided it would work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it did. And it did. And still yeah. 55 years. Yeah, still 55 kicking. years later, here we are. Yeah. And had a beautiful daughter, Vicki, you yeah. know. Yeah. And um, she's our only child. Mm-hmm. So things were coming along the way that just made it not work out to have another child. Although we kind of wanted, we definitely wanted another one. So, and then um, Vicki... Uh, um, has two sons. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, uh, and I remember the yeah. year that the oldest son was going into, was he going into college when the youngest was going into kindergarten? Yeah. Or something like that. There's a huge age gap. Yeah, well, Vicki so was a single sweet. parent for 10 years. Right, right. Okay, so she and Jason lived with us. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of his second mom. Yeah. And yeah. he still comes to our house once a week for his free dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Do you blame him? <laughs> no, come on over, Jason. And uh, and he just helps himself to everything. He said, well, this is my still my home kind of, isn't it, Grandma? I said, you bet it is, yeah. you know. So anyway, so Vicki was a single mom. And then, um, and then um, somebody had a party and introduced her and Rich. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those kind of little parties. Yeah, yeah. And they hit it off just like that, man. Yeah. And he had, he was divorced recently mm-hmm. and, um, you know, both ready to meet somebody and they met the right person. Yeah, and they're so cute. Oh. <laughs> they're so cute together. And then Blake, right? Yeah. And how old is Blake? Remember? Blake is 16 now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's 16. a sophomore. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so he got a car. Wow, good for him. And, you know, those two boys, I mean, like, you think, okay, when Vicki announced she was pregnant with Jason, mm-hmm. that was just such a downer. Yeah. You know, you think, my kid, no, not my kid. Other people's kids do right. that, not mine. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't wish it on you, but, you yeah, know, but, I mean, you never know. God, so, God had great plans, though. I'm telling you, talk about God making lemonade out of life's lemons. Right. You know, we wouldn't trade Jason in for anything. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but some challenges there, being a single mom, that's tough. Oh, definitely, yeah. And she graduated from Purdue here, Purdue Calumet or so. Yeah. She was able to finish her schooling, work downtown Chicago for a while. Yeah. So, you know, it all worked out. And while she was pregnant, you know, that big question comes up. Is she going to put him up for adoption or have an abortion or who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, all those stuff, all that stuff runs through our minds, you right. know. right. And then, um, and then I remember, I don't know how, if Vicki wants me to share some of this or not. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we could, we could just say that I think anybody in that, in that position would have those questions, but. Yeah, right. That's but, true. But, but um, she was also concerned, I think, that, that her dad would kick her out of the house. Mm, yeah. I mean, you know, you hear stories like that, right? Yeah. And so she um, she asked me, after four months, mind you, mm. could you please tell dad? Mm. 
you know, he may have suspected something by by then. I said, no, honey, this is between you and Dad, okay? Yeah. So I said, okay, let's the three of us get together and we'll sit in the family room and I'll kind of set it up, okay? And so then she told Gary. And I'm going to cry telling this, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I'll try not to. But anyway, he was so dear, you know. He said, Vicki, we love you, yeah. you know. We will support you all along the way. And so it was one of these big family hugging times. And... <gasps> And she loved her dad ever since, you know. Oh, I got, I, got <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he's been the light of her life, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it all worked out just yeah, beautifully. Yeah, that was an overcoming moment, too. Oh, totally. God gave you very clear, you know. And yeah. I can't help but think, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just reflecting again on what you said about that boat ride, how you know, bumpy and stormy and whatever it was, you know, and just, just to think like God protected you then, which then led to your marriage and all of the memories, which then led to Vicki and then to the boys. And, yeah. And I mean, God protected you all the way back when you were in darkened windows and bombs in your, it's just incredible yeah. how we can see God weave through our whole lives. So. Right. I mean, every life has bumps, up and down, you know. You're not going to escape that. And some are very stormy, and some are like, okay, well, you know, we're fine with this. This is no big deal, and so right. forth. But, uh, yeah, looking back on life and looking back on what my parents all experienced, it was, yeah, it was definitely bumpy. And uh, the personality that you're born with, um, you know, which also is from God, mm -hmm. the personality that you're born with, either enables you to deal with stuff, or um, I think of my mom that way, especially dealing with all this stuff. Uh, it's just okay, you come through. Yeah. Okay, you come out on top of it. You find the strength. Yeah. Oh, God gives you the strength. Yeah. A little it's, bit of both, right? Well, that's where it comes from, you yeah. know. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, so I, I mean, looking back, you know, my brother had, has had other experiences than me, uh, but looking back on my life, I have been so totally blessed. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, I found a good guy. You sure did. I mean, any marriage counselor would have said, no, <laughs> that, 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 that will never work, <laughs> you know, but it did, yeah. and so now, you know, Gary has his health challenges, and so so we bond together, and you go through it together, like we go to Mayo Clinic, we go together, right. you know, and I know where the best restaurant is over there, so. <laughs> yeah, there you go, so, you know. And you're not eating hot dogs. No, <laughs> not for sure over yeah. there, so. So yeah. one of my favorite things about you is, and kind of what you're known for in our church, is that you call every single church member the week of their birthday. Oh, I do. What inspired you to do that? Because you've been doing this for as long as I've known you, 15 years. Yeah, probably not that long. No? No, I don't think nearly that long. 
I don't know what made me do that. I think uh, I'm not involved in any um, organized activities at church. Um, I did go to the Wednesday morning Bible study with Nancy Kramer and so, and wonderful and so, but um, yeah, there's something about my Christianity um, that doesn't always fit in hmm. or something. Hmm. Um, but, but I love my church, yeah. okay? Yeah. We have great friends there. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, hey, this might be fun. So I started calling the friends first, you know. Oh, okay, you know, Sandy Venus, it's your birthday. Okay, I'm going to call. But then I thought, you know, look at all these people having birthdays this yeah. week. And sometimes it's a long list. Yeah. You yeah. see that? Like this week was a long yeah. list. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll just call everybody. <laughs> so, but then last year, for a while, I texted the birthday message. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, well, that's kind of a convenient, impersonal way well, to Well, for those teenagers, birthday. they might appreciate it. Well, the kids, I, I sometimes yeah. just text, you know, yeah. something for a kid. Hey, have a great fun, blah, blah, blah. But now lately, I've been calling again. Like last night, I was on the phone and called everybody. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, and people like it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. something I I know I look forward to. Do you? Yeah, and oh, that's so funny. I mean, it's 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 a it's a so a, a small gesture that people don't think about. I know? guess not. No. And I remember, you know, our most recent phone call um, was uh, Dave and Deacon, and their birthdays are a day apart. Okay. Um, and so I remember you called and you said, it's Dave and Deacon's birthday this right. week. Right, yeah. <laughs> so you got to do two for one. Right, and this week too, there was a father and son. Uh, I forget, was it Josh and Gavin or something? Okay. But anyway. yeah. and, and I said, these kids don't know me from Adam, you know, but that's okay. No, my kids know who you are because oh. you've called. Well, and I put you out. That's the lady who that's calls That's the lady you. who called, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, then uh, my birthday last year, this big surprise in the foyer. Mm -hmm. Were you there? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness! It was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a great church family. We really do. Um, we really do. If anybody's looking for a church, we go yeah. to Ground Point Christian Reformed Church yeah. in, here in Indiana. Amazing, amazing um, pastoral team, youth pastor. Oh yes. <laughs> They're just great and. Fact about um, our head pastor and wife is that they are also immigrants. Yes, and uh, there's there's some stories there as well. But I think I think we we've talked long enough. We made it to about an hour and twenty minutes. You're kidding, really? Yeah, yeah I feel like I could talk to you a lot longer. <laughs> we well, might we, have to do we a could, part two. Yeah, we could do go out for lunch. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, this is fun. Yeah, I hope that you were blessed by this um, telling your story, seeing God work through your life. I know that I've been blessed through it, and I hope those who are listening are blessed as well and I hope you show this with your grandsons and you know yeah. that would be special for them I think and yeah. for Vicky too. Yeah. And they, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but uh, Vicki and Rich and Jason and Blake have all been to Holland. Oh, that's amazing. Did yeah. they see where you grew up? Yeah. Uh-huh. What a cool, yeah. what a cool thing to pass on. Yeah. Got to connect. Absolutely. 
So. All right. Well, that is a you know um, another episode. Okay, <laughs> Alice. I'm so glad to have you here, and um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this. And we'll be back next week with another story and another overcomer. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you were inspired and moved today. Since this podcast is self-sponsored, I just want to take a minute and tell you about something that helps me to be an overcomer every single day. It's my favorite product from Soul Naturals called Cinemate. Cinemate is an herbal blend of just five ingredients that gives me all the energy that I need without the crash or shakes, balances my blood sugar, and gives me the clarity to get all the things I need to get done like this podcast. And of course, it's great for building up my immune system and digestive health as well. Do me a favor, go check it out at soulnaturals.com backslash Kristen and use my code Kristen to get $10 off your first order. That's soul as in S-O-L-L-E. Seriously, thanks for listening. It does mean a lot. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and send to a friend who you think would be blessed by it. And I'll see you next week.